You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Marina Breitman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to break down some data about hepatitis C or HCV. Welcome again, John. Thanks, Mariana. So, John, let's dive right in. Give us a rundown of hepatitis C or HCV for short and why it's important for HIV providers to know about this disease. So I think the most important piece here is that well, hep C, I think we know, is a treatable disease. And, and with the drugs that we have now, um, uh, the newer DEA medications, over 95% of people are cured uh, with these meds. Despite the success of, of these medications, there's some really some new data, I think, really, which I really think shines a light on issues in patients not getting therapy quick enough. Um, so there's a new CDC report uh, that was recently uh, looking at and highlighting the fact that too few people are diagnosed with hepatitis C are being treated. Um, and despite the availability of these medications capable of curing, curing the viral infection. So I think the piece here was that, you know, really we have patients that we know can be treated and cured for hepatitis C. So let's highlight some of the data from CDC and some of the estimates. So overall, what they found is that less than one in three patients, so about less than a third, those even with health insurance, get direct acting antiviral treatment or DAA treatment for hepatitis C within a year of diagnosis. So these are people that come in, we know they have hepatitis C and within uh, less than a third get treated within a year. So treatment is lowest, and this is kind of sad, um, I think, um, in patients in state-administered Medicaid plans uh, with less than one in four. So it's only 23% of Medicaid recipients are being treated within a year of diagnosis. So the numbers are even worse for public insurance. And we know that Public insurance does cover these medications, and certainly people have access. But I think, you know, um, at least in my mind, Medicaid, you know, it, it uh, gives us a sense of potential um, disparities in care for, for some patients. And additionally, the Medicaid recipients in states that restrict access to hep C treatment are 23% less likely to receive treatment than Medicaid recipients in state without, state without restrictions. So it's even lower in those states that have, have Medicaid restrictions on hepatitis C treatment. So it's really kind of something I think we need to think about and try to make some difference, you know, focus our efforts on, on making sure that we can make, make this better. What happens if HCV is left untreated? Yeah, so we, we've talked about this in some of our previous podcasts that we've done over the last year or so, uh, but hep, hep C obviously is curable, curable, and the medications are really well tolerated. Um, if it's left untreated, hepatitis C can cause liver disease, liver cancer, and death. Um, and treatment 
prevents illness and death and stops the spread of hepatitis C, which is important for us, right? So from a public health perspective, treating hepatitis C, we prevent that spread from on to other people either through sexual contact or um, through injection drug use. And it's also cost savings. In 2019, hepatitis C contributed to the deaths of more than 14,000 uh, people in the United States. So a large number of people die every year for hep from hepatitis C. Um, for the past several years, the CDC's annual hep C data has really shown highest rates of new infections among adults under 40. And this is not, not surprising, right? And this indicates that, that treating this group is really critical. And again, if even if you look at new HIV infections, it's also happening in almost that same age group. It's, it's really those 15 to 30, 30s and you know, 15 to 24, 25 to 35. That's roughly the, 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 the spots where we're seeing a lot of new HIV infection as well. Um, but under but for this new analysis for un, patients under 40, uh, the, the new analysis found that adults under 40 have the lowest treatment rates by age group, and that's really a concern. And I think most of us would, would realize that the, the, the reason why most of these patients are getting hepatitis C is mostly through injection drug use in those people who are less than 40. So again, we have to make sure that we're treating them, uh, and especially if, if, if people are not willing to uh, you know, use clean needles, you need to make sure that, that we're on the same page. So there's some really nice, uh, nice graphics on the CDC on their website. But if you look at Medicaid, um, a timely hepatitis C treatment, which again is defined within, um, the, within 12 months of diagnosis. And again, this is from January of uh, late January of 2019 through like late October uh, 2020. Uh, Medicaid, 23%, 77% were not treated if you were Medicaid. If you had Medicare, only 28%, 72% not treated. And if you had private insurance, 35%, uh, 65% not treated. So again, if you think of that, so private insurance, 35% treated, still not great, but Medicaid down to 23%. So you have a third of people versus only about a quarter of the patients, um, depending on how you're insured. Again, I think we need to really think about this as providers and people who are dealing with patients who may have hepatitis C and do our best to kind of make interventions, I think, that are going to uh, continue to get people treated for hepatitis C. Um, as we know, Mariana, every woman with hepatitis C should have access to treatment, and it really should be offered regardless of race, ethnicity, age, and definitely, definitely without regards to insurance. Um, and again, if you're in a state where, where they don't have the insurance uh, or don't have uh, these drugs covered from insurance, those are pretty rare, I think, nowadays. Uh, but these data clearly show us that at best, only one in three are being treated within a year of being diagnosed with hepatitis C. So the real question is why and what barriers exist? Is it the insurance access? Is it medication cost? Or is it just indifference to hepatitis C treatment? And those, I think, are challenges for you and I as providers, um, as people who are out there taking care of patients, regardless of the reasons, we need to get more people treated in order to prevent new infections and deaths from hepatitis C. I can tell you in our clinic, we've treated most of our patients who have co-infection, almost all of them. Um, and that was something that we did over the last couple of, of three or four years. So when those DEAs really came out, but I think um, we need to start looking at not just co-infected, but also our mono-infected population and ask why aren't those patients, patients treated. So John, what can people do to prevent new infections of HCV from arising? This is the key piece, right, Marianne? It's, you know, what can we do, right? And what can we do to make a difference? So I think there, obviously we need to ensure that people are diagnosed or treated and healthcare providers are aware of, of, what, of how good these medications are. But I think the most important thing is to remove the eligibility restrictions. And there are some places that have pre-auth or prior authorization requirements. It really does make it difficult for patients with hepatitis C 
to access treatment um, uh, that will cure the infection. There may also be kind of um, you know incorrect uh, um, thoughts on oh well that's um, that's going to require prior off. I'm not going to bother doing that. Let somebody else do it, and that that's not that's not good either. Um, I think we need to provide treatment where people already receive services in their primary care offices, community clinics, their syringe uh, service programs, substance abuse treatment centers, and also correctional facilities. Um, some correctional, some states uh, corrections are great about getting people treated from hepatitis C. Some aren't. So I mean, that's that's a that's a big difference as well. Provide treatment in as few visits as possible. And some of these some of these studies show you really don't mean even really need a lot of monitoring. There's that Minmon study, which uh, which really showed that you can do minimal monitoring with some of these uh, select uh, pangenotypic hepatitis C drugs, and they work very well for patients. I think expanding the number of primary care providers who treat hepatitis C, I think that's an important piece. So instead of you, instead of patients having to go to see the specialist, they can just see their, their primary care doctor. And there are simplified guidelines for people who are non-serotic and are relatively healthy and have hepatitis C. Anybody can do this. Any primary care doctor can, can do this. And I encourage people to consider that if you're out there listening today and you're a primary care doc and you haven't treated hepatitis C, this is something that you can certainly help with. Um, we should also be getting every, everyone tested for hepatitis C, just like an HIV, get people tested at least once in a lifetime. And again, if you have ongoing hepatitis C risk factors and obviously injecting drugs or unsafe sexual contact, especially in men having sex with men, making sure they're re re getting routine uh, periodic testing uh, on a regular basis. And then people diagnosed with hep C really should talk to their provider to start a treatment regimen and get cured. So if you're, if you're out there and you happen to be a patient listening today, and you have hepatitis C and you've been diagnosed, go to your provider, tell them you want to get treated and make sure you make sure you advocate for yourself. And for those without insurance or cannot afford uh, treatment, really can explore some of these pharmaceutical patient assistance programs and also some of the cost sharing assistance programs that are out there that can get you, get you treatment uh, for, for hepatitis C. So bottom line here, Mariana, we want to make sure that patients are getting hepatitis C treatment, especially without regard to insurance. We need to make sure that everybody's getting equal treatment for hepatitis C just so we can put an end to this and hopefully at some point, you know, cure as many people we can to prevent some of the long-term consequences of untreated hepatitis C. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about hepatitis C and why it's so important to treat this disease as soon as possible. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nikaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.